there's a better place to be than to be here. And let's talk about that place. Because the best place to be is in Jesus. It's in Jesus. The best place. And let's look at the Lord's Word. And I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we want to have open hearts. We need your word to our hearts today, and we don't know how we need it. But Lord, you do. And please apply it to our hearts as we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Best place to be is in Jesus. I was eight years old when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I did not know very much. I didn't know very much about anything. I didn't know how little I knew about everything, but I knew enough to know that I needed Jesus. Uh, there was advanced evidence I was really a sinner from the way I reacted to the people around me, and that's a good indicator. Uh, I heard the message that Jesus was God's Son. He died on the cross for my sin, the sins of the whole world. And He wanted me to follow Him and to know Him. And I accepted Jesus. But I was who I was. I was a little boy from North Carolina. And lived out on a farm outside of Charlotte. And that to me was the world right there. My, my life was in that little world. And it was nice. But we were all sinners, you know. And, uh, but that's the way I learned to look at people like that. Uh, where you grew up, wherever you grew up, whenever you grew up, or if you're still growing up, you learn to look at people the way the people you hang out with generally look at people. Whether it's actual real people or it's people online or some combination between those two, you never know what is real and what is not, but that's the way you tend to look at folks. That's where we all start out, and that's what he means by a worldly point of view, just looking at people from the outside. Paul gave his testimony, I used to look at Jesus that way, the, the one I persecuted and his followers, and he was this rabbi, this radical rabbi who was messing up things here in, in Jerusalem and messing up uh, Judaism. I was a Pharisee, and he said, but now I don't look at him that way any longer because something changed. I'm a, I'm a new creation. He says it this way, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. The best place to be is in Jesus. Wherever you started out, and this is our privilege, our message, our burden, our hope, that anybody, anywhere on the in the world, they can know this Jesus. If they know enough to open their heart to Him, and they're the only one who can do it, nobody else can do it for them. Their people can't do it for them. Their church can't do it for them. They can open their heart and they are born again when they do. And that's our great message and privilege. Do we need Jesus? 
Does this world need Jesus? I know every day more and more, I need Jesus. I need, I need His forgiveness. I need His cleansing. I need Him to heal my heart. I need Him to heal my eyes. I see things the wrong way sometimes. And everybody can know Jesus. And that's the greatest thing to know, the best place to be. You know, when we're filling out these little uh, security questions and stuff, and they'll say, where would be your favorite place to take a vacation? You know, we'll, I'll say Ethiopia. And uh, that's true. That's my, that's my heart. But, you know, the best place is in Jesus. It's in Jesus Christ. It's not a physical location, but a spiritual one by faith in Jesus. You know, I hope you feel like your home was special because it was. It may have been hard. It may have been tough. But we live in a fallen world. That's just kind of the way it is. All kind of variations on that. But we figure out a way, no matter how educated we are, how rich we are, or how hardworking we are, how religious we are, we figure out a way to let that sin nature come out. And we all, we all take that on. And I've taken it on. You take it on. But the good news is, in Jesus, I'm a new creation. I have that old nature in there. It pops its ugly head up every once in a while. It talks through my mouth. Some, I'll hear it talking. Who is that? Who is that? You know, and then, oh yeah, I know who that is. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Uh, that's not who I am. Who I am is in you. And so, I want you to know the best place to be is in Jesus. Isn't it great that we can offer Jesus to everyone? He doesn't belong to my people group. He doesn't belong to my country. He doesn't belong to my church. He belongs to us all. And that is great. The best place to be is in Jesus. But let me amplify on that a little bit. The best place to be is out of the way. Be out of the way. Paul learned this. Paul was a better religious person than you or I will ever be. And that was before he came to know Jesus. But he described it later. That has no comparison to knowing Him. But notice what Paul said. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Do you know what our first intention is with all of our well-meaning and our uh, doing we preach ourselves. We, we do our, our growing up, our culture, our language, our form of Christianity, we are around. And uh, we preach that along with Jesus. We don't, we're not aware of it. And we need to, as we grow, we learn what of that is Jesus and what of that is culture. And, and hopefully we're all working, working through that. Being out of the way, what I mean is allowing God to work through us so that our own nature doesn't hinder His work, that our habits and hang-ups do not hinder His work, and we do not hinder Him using us because we won't walk in His Spirit, and we won't learn, and we won't follow Him in that. It's just much easier to learn and follow our old ways than our new ways in Him. Notice how Paul expressed this. We have this treasure in jars of clay. That's us. That's us. We are all um, 
damaged goods. And he chose to put his spirit in us. And that Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us and transform us. And if we will not grieve him, if we will not hinder his work, he can move, move through us. Whatever else we're doing, believe this. You never have an ordinary day. I don't have an ordinary day. Whatever you're doing, whether you're going to immigration or whether you're going to the airport or whether you're at the souk or whether you're on the weit or whatever you're doing, you, it's not just you there. The Holy Spirit is there in you. And you want to be integrity between the Holy Spirit within and what comes out to people. And, and that's my prayer every day. With the Lord's help, we can get over ourselves. It's hard. I'm, I'm Baptist by my upbringing and all. I was a Baptist before I came to know Jesus. And I've run into a few Baptists I didn't think ever came to know Jesus, but that's another story there. That's my problem. But my biggest problem is getting over myself. I can't get over myself by myself. I can, I can improve. And we must improve. You see, this thing is something we do together. It's all that we have and are and know and all that we will allow Him to do through us. And, and I, I've been trying to get over myself my whole life. And self keeps popping back up. But I've had some times where I realized later that Jesus was shining through. And I feel so good to be out of the way. <laughs> I'm so privileged to be out of the way so Jesus can flow through me. God loves me. He loves me. He created me. He is patient with me. He forgives me. He is merciful to me. And I'm reminded of that when I'm challenged by how I behave or how I come across. But the best place to be is out of the way so He can flow through your life and my life and touch each other. Something else about the best place to be, the best place to be is in His Word. The best place to be is in His Word. Um, I've studied the Bible. I've read the Bible. I read the Bible. I've studied the Bible. I've sat under teachers in, in uh, college and uh, seminary and online and all of this, and I listen to people teach the Word, and um, that's the only way to live. I don't know any other way around it. Uh, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching and, and this message. No one would make up a story like this. No one would. It's revelation, and we realize what God has done through this. Paul was so convinced of this, and he was writing it at the time. You know, he said to, in Acts 20, 32, as he was leaving the Ephesian church, and he knew there was a pagan world out there, and not too long ago, all of these people had either been pagans or, or, or Jewish people, and uh, he knew that. And he said this to them, Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up, 
and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He wanted them to know that God and that God's word of grace. Now, he would have had in his mind the Old Testament and the message of Jesus, and he knew that, you know, that's, you get the law and grace right there, and, and he got it, and he said, I commit you to them, and uh, they can build you up, and they can give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You know, there is a cumulative effect of studying and applying God's Word. It, it accumulates over the years. And uh, from one Sunday to the next, it accumulates. From one study to the next, from one class to the next, there's a cumulative effect of it. We can't always see great results right at the moment, all of the time. But know this, and I know this, God is moving, is working in my heart as I walk in His Word. Now, I can sit in seminary, I can sit in church, I can sit in Bible studies, but I have to walk away from there sometimes because that's not what life is. We live in this real world. But when I walk out from that, it needs to be in here. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We walk in a world that is full of deception. It is full of deception, whether it's somebody you meet on the street out here, or it's on television, or it's uh, in, the, in the world uh, governments. Know this, there's a lot of deception going on out there. Some of it is because people just don't know any better. And another part of it is they don't want to know any better, and they want to take advantage of, of you, whether it's on the taxi or whether it's somewhere else like this. We need His Word in here, in, in our head, in our heart. Because the truth, evaluating the truth and discerning the truth is absolutely essential in a world of deception. How about all of this COVID time? Are we ever going to get over this? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, in the States, you know, where our, our schools were closed down, now some of the, the children are coming from pre-kindergarten that have been locked down for a, a year or two, and their skill levels are markedly different. And uh, then, I'm different, you're different, we're all different, and have any of you heard any conflicting advice? <laughs> have you heard different summaries of what's going on? All the time. And one thing I've learned, we have a saying back home, uh, that a, a lie will go around the world before truth gets to the end of the street. I think now the lie will go around the world about 12,000 times before the truth gets to the end of the street. And what I want to encourage you to do is try to be discerning, evaluate, take a while. Don't believe the first thing you hear, okay? <laughs> that is critical. Uh, as one of uh, our, our people in the States, Edgar Allan Poe, said, I don't believe anything I hear and only half of what I see. <laughs> but just to understand that. But God's truth, walking in His Word, is a discerning. I've been wrong about so many things, and I was so confident I was right. But God patiently teaches me. He's more patient with me than I am with other people who they ought to know better than that. But you know, God is patient with me and I, He wants me to give that to others. Um, I mentioned Becky's parents coming here and, 
in the, in the mid-60s uh, with Southern Baptist, and he preached at, at uh, what was then the Gospel Chapel and a lot of places around. The first time I ever heard him speak was at the Houston Astrodome. That was a big stadium in the state, still there, I think. Uh, it's not as active a complex as it was before. But I was sitting there in the cheap seats, 50,000 people in Houston Astrodome, when I heard this man give a testimony. His name was John Chain. And uh, he spoke just before Dr. Billy Graham. I think everybody was there for Billy Graham, is what I think. And uh, I didn't know that four years later I would be married to his, his daughter. But he was a great man. And God used him all around the world. And he traveled to country after country doing human needs and disaster response all around the world. Uh, but his, his heart was always back here in Ethiopia. And he was in and out of this country in the 80s uh, a lot helping with that. But Miss Chain, uh, Becky's mom, she was the quiet one. You would not know her name. Uh, you would not know she was in the country. She was uh, raising the kids, you know. <laughs> and uh, and she, was a, she was a faithful witness for Jesus. She had accepted Jesus. She lived in South Alabama. And uh, in uh, a very different world that we live in now. And this Jesus, she accepted in her heart. She followed Him. And she married this uh, crazy man, John Chain. They came to Africa. And she faithfully walked in Jesus. And one of the blessings for Becky in my life is we've been able to be there with my mom and with both of her parents the last few days of, of their lives, or months, or years, as it turned out. And uh, I was there when uh, Dad passed away, and um, Becky and I were at home uh, a week before my mom passed away, or I was back home. I was pastoring here at IEC then. And... Uh, and we were taking care of Becky's mom, and Becky's position opened with Samaritan's Purse. We needed to relocate from Richmond, where I was pastoring, down to Wilk, uh, Wilkesboro. By the way, I'm still pastoring in Richmond and live in North Carolina. Go figure that out. Um, so we had only been there about five months when Miss Chain passed away. But in the months, Bish, her life was kind of ebbing away. And she, she just felt like God couldn't use her anymore. And, and she, could, she could barely get out of bed. And if she got out of bed, she could hardly take a step. But her mind was clear and it was amazing. And so she wanted to write missionaries and pray for missionaries. So Becky would get up there and she'd get so tired she couldn't <laughs> write a, a whole letter. And then she would take Scripture... And she had one of these little loaves of bread. You may have seen it had, had slips of Scripture, uh, paper with Scripture on it, and she would read one of those, and she's memorizing Scripture. Ninety-three years old, could barely do anything, had a clear mind. She was walking in the Word as she could at the time. And then she passed in September of last year, and I can remember uh, because we were new, we found some funeral home, what we call them in the States, and they were going to come and collect her body, and then eventually take it up to Richmond where she would be buried. But Mom Chain didn't know anybody there, and nobody there knew her or her life. Uh, they wouldn't have known it. Uh, she was quiet, but certainly didn't know she was a missionary. So I'm, I'm standing out there that morning, and this big strapping guy comes, and there's a, a, a company the funeral home has employed to, to go around and to the homes when they're called, and 
somebody who knows how to do that well. And this big strapping guy comes up. And, and so I'm talking to him, and I, I, I kind of wanted him to, to know who this little lady was, this frail body he was going to pick up and, and carry to that uh, van. And so, and I, I was telling her this, and uh, he said, uh, I spent some time in Africa. I said, well, and he said, I was a Marine security guard at the U.S. Embassy in Addis Ababa. And I thought, of all the people in all the world that could have come and carried her body down in honor, and he, he wrapped her in an American flag when she was down there. And I thought, that's God. That's this Jesus that she accepted into her heart. And, and he knew her name. He knew her. And he wanted her witness to be honored. And he did that. And I encourage you, the best place to be is in Jesus, out of the way, in His Word, and then becoming more like Jesus. You know, we can... Someone has said it this way, Jesus makes people better. Jesus makes people better. Church will not necessarily make you better, but it should. But Jesus always makes you better if you come to know Him. And we want to become more like Jesus. Because if we don't know Jesus, we just start copying people around us, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not so good. But notice what 2 Corinthians 3, 16-18 says. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. He's talking about the veil over people's eyes when they read the Old Testament. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And in all of those words, there's so much power in that. In the Lord Jesus is freedom. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then when we reflect the Lord's glory or contemplate the Lord's glory, we see Him in His Word. We see Him around us. We focus on Him. We see Him in worship. This was going on, hopefully, in our worship time, in the first part of our worship time, the singing worship time, where we express truth to God and we were in His presence. I hope you were worshiping God as if you were the only one here and God was the only other one here. And you and I were getting to express truth to Him and receive from Him. And you know what happened? I was changed. You were changed while we did this. Because Scripture says, we're being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. A way of translating that is from one degree of glory to another. And see, this is going on all the time. People will say, well, what happened at church today? And we'll talk about who was there and what, what, what. But what happened was we were changed into the likeness of Jesus. See, each day we can become more like Him, often in small ways. God works often in small ways. And then we look and uh, we see transformation has occurred. You see, when we came to Jesus, we were coming to say we had died to that old life and we were 
in new life in Him. In this old life with sin, sin pulls us back. Sin pulls us back to the past, to uh, the things that are not of God. But what's in front of us pulls us forward. Who we are in Jesus. My heart wants to worship and, and, and wants to serve and wants to glorify God. And, and you know what? I'm going to get a chance to do that. And you're going to get a chance to do that. Because notice, the, next, the last thing I'm going to talk about, the best place to be is in His presence. In 1 John 3, he's talking about his amazing love. He says, but we know that when he appears, he, he said before this, there's a lot of things we don't know, but we know this, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. In front of me, in front of you, is one day when I am going to be just like Jesus because of the power of God, because of the amazing grace of God, because of His Holy Spirit working in me, because I've been born again and I've been born from above. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ and I have failed and I have fallen short. And I'll look in the mirror in the morning and think, does that thing going to be just like Jesus someday? Yes. Yes. And I know it's not from me, but you know what? He wants me working as hard as I can on being like Jesus. And if I'll do my part, He'll do His part. But He's gracious when I do my part in a failing way or a, a wrong way or a misguided way, He is gracious to me. And He is working in my heart. Now we're going to close our service today and Pastor Steve is going to come up and lead us in the Lord's Supper. And, uh, you know, that's, it's a supper we're looking forward to. We're gonna, I mean, I know some of you have been looking forward to me finish his sermon, but you look for this. But this is what's ahead of us. I mean, it's the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. And we're going to get to be there. And he says, everyone has his hope in him, purifies himself as he is pure. Because I know my heart is destined for him. I know he's created me in him, recreated me in him. I want to be just like Him. I want to close my time of prayer. And let this be a little time of confession, of preparing our hearts for this Lord's Supper, for this being in Jesus, this becoming more like Jesus, and being transformed into His likeness. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we just are here before You. We know without You, we are lost. You are hope. And you saved us, even knowing us as we are. And Lord, right now, we ask your cleansing touch by your Holy Spirit within our hearts. Bring to our minds anything that does not honor you. Anything that is not preparing us to be in your presence and to be more like you. And Lord, we claim 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin... You are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, Lord Jesus, we acknowledge before you our sinfulness. We've gone our own way. We've done things we ought not to have done and we have not done things we should have done. Cleanse us, forgive us. We claim that by your spirit and by your blood and by your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.